What's going on, Magic fans? Before you guys get to the episode, we are so excited with the recording of Jonathan Isaac that we forgot to mention the draft party. Since this episode is coming out the night before the NBA draft lottery, just wanted to go ahead and let you guys know we are putting on an NBA draft lottery watch party at Harry Buffalo, downtown Orlando, June 22nd, Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Again, that's Harry Buffalo, downtown Orlando. It's 129 West Church Street, Orlando, Florida, 32801. We're going to get there starting at 7.30, hang out. The NBA draft lottery starts at 8.30. Going to be a lot of Magic fans there. We're getting some pretty good response as far as the RSVPs and everything like that go. So anyways, wanted to throw this in here. Don't want you guys to miss that. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for your support. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Go Magic. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is June 21st, 2021. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what up? How's it going, man? Good, good. And as you can see on YouTube, if you guys are watching, we have a special guest with us. As you can tell from the jersey, I'm a big fan of this guy. Friend of the podcast, returning for his second time, Magic Big Man Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan, how are you doing, man? Thank you for joining us. Man, I'm I'm doing good, bro. I appreciate you, Jonathan and Luke, for having me on. Like you said, it's the second time, so I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, it's been quite the year. There's been a lot that has happened uh, worldwide, personal for everybody and in between. First thing we wanted to ask Jonathan, how is the knee, how is the rehab process coming along? I appreciate it. It's, it's going well. It's going well. I'm turning the corner. Um, it's, it's like every, every day I feel like I'm, I'm moving better. I can do more. And I'm just like a, just like a kid at the candy store wanting to run around and, and do so much. I, I feel good. Um, I'm getting better every day. So that's about it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, J.I., the last time we, we started out the episode about uh, like 14 months ago now, um, we started out the episode asking you to clarify your height because we couldn't find it. We couldn't find a good answer. Everything said 610. You said, yeah, I just say 610. Cause that's, you know, that's what I'm used to saying. Um, at the time you told us though, uh, you were about six eleven and three quarters. Now guys in the NBA, especially younger guys grow all the time. And it, it just like baffles me how much some of these young guys grow. Are you still six eleven and three quarters or where are you at? I think I'm pretty, pretty sure right around there. I don't know if I, people tell me all the time that I've grown. Oh, I see you've grown so much. It is what it is. I'm concerned yeah. about filling out the name about getting taller. So I think I'm right. It's the same thing. Well, I'm glad you said filling out because last time we spoke, you, you said you were weighing in about 225, 226. Yeah. And you said, I would love to get to 240. Obviously, after that, you know, the injury happens in the bubble and maybe some some, you know, maybe things stunted your your ability to, to, to fill out. Um, where are you at currently on your your weight journey, I guess? I feel the best that I felt so far, um, mm-hmm. just over like my overall body filling out. I'm, I'm, I'm around like 235 right now. So I've mm-hmm. been able to make a pretty good recovery, you know, because after you go through surgery and all that, it's kind of you got downtime and you lose right. uh, a lot of the muscle that you gain. So I've been on a fast track of, of getting it back. So. I'm in a good place. Jonathan, I would say, I don't know, two, three months ago now, the Magic released these photos on Instagram of you in the weight room. And everyone's reaction was like, 
oh my gosh, Jonathan <laughs> ate Jonathan. <laughs> so like you're definitely filling out. You're definitely packing on the pounds. No, a lot of what I'm surprised myself too. Like I've I've put on a good amount of muscle. So you guys you guys will see. Well, I think a lot of the like one of the most popular images that you'll see on Twitter talking about NBA player body transformations is Giannis like from the draft combine to now like him doing the bicep curls, like you're not too far behind that. So I want to ask, what are you eating right now on a daily basis? First off, I literally said that to the trainer like two days ago. I was like, we're going to be able to do those before and after shots. But uh, man, I I eat pretty much the same. You know, I I don't know if you remember this, but I went on some like, uh, uh, I was on some diet where I was trying to get like five meals a day, protein shakes, peanut butter, Mm -hmm. sandwiches, all that. So I'm right around there. Like, um, I eat like three kind of big meals a day. I have my protein shake, my peanut butter jelly sandwich. Well, just peanut butter sandwiches for right now. I'm kind of off the jelly, but other than that, it's just this, this little, this, that's pretty much the same thing that I was on before. How exhausting is that? Cause like, I know that when I've tried to put on weight, like really quickly in the past, when you're eating four or five meals like that a day, at some point it's more of like a mental exercise yeah. than it is, you know, trying to just get all that food down. For sure. I'm, I'm pretty used to it now. So it's, it's not as bad because, you, you know, your stomach actually like grows and shrinks with how much food that you eat. So I'm pretty used to it now. I crave uh, the food about the same time of the day, but definitely in the beginning, it's definitely a, a mental battle. That's awesome, man. So we wanted to ask you, you know, with the injury that, you know, you, you sustained in the bubble and obviously COVID impacting the entire league this season, the, you know, you did some travel with the team. Obviously, you weren't with the team on every you know road trip, every away game. Do you feel like COVID or, or some of the restrictions from COVID perhaps made the, the injury rehab process more difficult or was it perhaps easier than it might have been in other years? Uh, I, I would say a little bit of both. I, I think the, the first kind of the, obviously the scare of everything that was happening and the, everything got shut down. We weren't able to go into the gym um, right away. So I was doing a lot of this stuff at home, biking at home doing my little leg workouts at home and stuff. So that was difficult. But as soon as the, as soon as the, the restrictions lifted and we ended up, you know, going into the next season, I was able to go to the gym and spend a lot of time. Yeah, like you said, I wasn't traveling a whole lot. So I was at the gym pretty much every day, all day. So it was, it was a little bit of both. And I, you brought up, you know, Jonathan brought up, you know, travel and things like that. Last time we spoke, you said that Memphis was your second favorite place to play on the road because of flight. Uh, the restaurant there, um, basically small plates, r- small plate restaurant. Um, how how much did you miss that, you know, going to flight this past year? You know, it was funny. I, I literally, I actually thought about it. I thought about it all the time. Like, when the team, uh, I, I, I tried to put together like a dinner too. Like, I didn't know that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to travel at that time. But I was, had Memphis circled on my calendar. Like, we're going to go to dinner in Memphis. So. It sucks that it didn't get to work out, but it was definitely something that I was looking forward to. How how often did you travel this past year? Because I was asking Jonathan, you know, how much did he travel? It, it wasn't that much. It was it was here and there. Um, but once I started like picking up in my rehab, it started to become less and less because just the timing of coming right back. It wasn't a whole lot of long road trips, and then just sharing time with the other guys out there. It, it doesn't equate to much. I was able to really hone in and take a whole day of rehab that I wouldn't be able to do on the road. One of the, the most notable home, uh, away games that you were at was in Minnesota where Cole Anthony hit the game winner. So I think most Magic fans, when everyone was going crazy after that, we were like, get Jonathan as far away from that huddle as humanly possible. 
when everyone's jumping all over each other. And then in the locker room, everyone's all over the place. There is water all over. I was equally I, I, as. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw me, but as soon as he hit the shot and everybody started running, I, I, I hobbled a little. You dipped out of the way. I was like, I'm not getting in this. So I'll, I'll you hit there. the Cupid shuffle right on out of there. You're like, I'm not getting anywhere near this. Same thing with Lachlan. They're throwing water. I threw my little water on him, but I was. I saw that. Into the house. As excited as I was that he hit that shot, we won the game. I was equally concerned for your well-being in that moment. So exactly. I'm glad that you had the frame of mind to to get out of the way there. In the same, but I, I did it. I hear the shot. I'm like, yes, but I'm getting out of here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I remember, Luke, you probably remember this. Um, Ohio State, Florida national championship game. Ted Ginn Jr. runs Ran back, back to kickoff. opening kickoff, gets hurt in the celebration. We didn't want anything like that with Jay. Yeah, no, no celebration injuries. Yeah, no. I, think I heard about that too, and it's always stuck in my mind. So right. even, even, if, even when I'm healthy, let's say I hit the game winner, I'm not going to be running and jumping. <laughs> You can just you can just hit them with the D rows, just stoic, just standing there. They can come. No, they'll, they'll come and tackle you. I'm going to run away. <laughs> That'll be my thing. I'm going to run away. Cole tried, but uh, but they had to they had to get him back for the post game. Jonathan, I wanted to ask you. So we're talking about COVID. We're talking about your you know not traveling with the team as much, and then all the trades that went down at the deadline. Basically, the the roster was just kind of flipped on its head. How did this season affect your ability to form relationship w- with your teammates, especially the newer guys? Uh, it's, it's, it's here and there. It, it wasn't as tough as, you know, what you might think. Once guys get in the gym and you're, you're around them all the time and obviously n- not so much on the road, but when they see you and they're working, they're working, this conversation, you, you get to know guys and try your best to hang out outside of the gym. But it definitely it definitely was tough with COVID, obviously with the, with the big roster change um, that just happened. So but it, it was a little bit of both. Yeah, and uh, the last time that that you took the floor, Ji, um, you know, talking about those young guys and adjusting to them. Last time you took the floor, you were, you know, a one of the youngest guys on the roster, um, and and not necessarily looked at as like needing to be a leader, despite you know you obviously being one. Um, so everything has kind of changed for you. Um, what is that like, you know, looking at kind of the young guys? I mean, you got Cole, RJ, um, you have so many guys that, that just, they, they're, they're, they're raw, but Cole had great moments this year. RJ had, you know, near triple doubles near the end of the season. Kind of what are your thoughts on, on those young guys that, yes, you haven't gotten to play with yet, but um, you know, you've gotten to see them and even see them grow this year. You know, no, nothing but excitement. You know, I, I see these guys and one of the things about being young is that you're, you're pretty malleable. Like you're versatile, you can be molded into something, um, into something greater. So I just, I just try my best to be just a steady voice, um, getting guys to believe that we can be more and do more than than anybody thinks of us as long as we think that. And so, uh, with the guys, it's going to be a great summer. You know, guys are excited, they're ready to hit the ground running. But when I see these guys, I'm thinking there's nothing um, that we can't do. You know, if we if we do it right, if we put our best foot forward and and understand that it's going to take work, we can get there with the group that we have. Right. And, and I want to come back to that um, a little bit later, though, and, and, you know, expand on, you know, the young guys and the, what the future of this team looks like from your perspective. Right. Um, but also, uh, you know, before we get into that, you know, it's no secret that the magic, um, you know, parted ways with Cliff um, here recently. My question is because I ob- obviously we love having, you know, players on from the team specifically because you guys it's a whole different world than what we live in, right? We live in the world of, you know, oh, we just got a tweet notification from Shams or Woj, and that's how we find things out. And I know that's the case sometimes with players. Um, 
is there ever, you know, an inkling or, or any type of like awareness that that could even happen? Or did you learn like everybody else, you know, looking at your phone and being like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't even like know that was happening. Well, one of the things that I appreciated about our organization is they're pretty transparent. So I, I got a right. call from Jeff, um, you know, pretty much as soon as it went down that, you know, this is, this is what happened. He kind of broke it down to me. And then I saw this, I saw this stuff on Twitter once I got to my phone. So I, that, I do like the fact that they're transparent and they want us to be in the loop. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that, you know, him calling you and I'm assuming he called a majority, if not everybody on the team. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a whole other like part of the front office that I feel like goes unseen, obviously goes unseen. Cause I had no idea that happened. Nobody does. Yeah. Um, you know, that goes unseen is just like the fact that these guys are, are, are managing, you know, the, the front office of a whole organization. And that includes the players and, yeah. and gaining got, their trust. They've got a whole lot on their plate, but our organization, they do a great job. I would put hours up against against anybody in the league in, in terms of just the professionalism and their care for the players and everything that goes on. Right. They're really, really good, obviously, about, you know, transparency, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, what's going on in the organization, kind of when it happens. Now we never hear rumors or anything like that, which I'm sure as a player, you're probably a big fan of us. It kind of drives us crazy because we're just like, <laughs> Like today, I know you, you're not going to get into coaching candidates, but there's another coaching candidate today that was that was reported, and we're like, okay, is this true? Is it Ooh. not true? Ooh, I have no idea. Uh, okay, we'll we'll just <laughs> skip right over that. But us, it kind of drives us crazy because we're like, man, what are, what are we really right. doing here? But we'll all find out really, uh, really in in due time. But we're gonna yeah. go ahead and take a quick break. Support for the Six Man Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com again that's code sixth s-i-x-t-h at manscaped.com and jonathan the lawnmower 4.0 is incredible um but they also have these two you know a gel and an exfoliator the exfoliator the crop exfoliator you can use it at any time uh you know whether it's you know my wife actually used it on her legs she said she loved this stuff uh so you know we've been splitting time on the crop exfoliator uh and then the crop gel can be used so uh you know right before the shaving process with the razor uh and make things you know smoother and, and make it a, a much more enjoyable process but uh these really shout out manscape because these really have improved my time shaving I can tell you, I absolutely will not share my crop exfoliator with my wife. You're going to be buying a lot of ultra smooth packages, my friend. Mm -hmm. But the crop exfoliator, honestly, the best exfoliator that I've ever used, so much so that for my wife's skin care regimen that she forces on me, I've started to use the crop exfoliator even on my face. It leaves your boy glowing. It's the hot boy summer, the long boy summer, but it's just incredible. So, guys, get 20% off in free shipping with the code 6th. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 6th, S I X T H. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, Magic fans, we are back with Jonathan Isaac, Orlando Magic Big Man. 
Jonathan, we're kind of talking about Steve Clifford, obviously, now that he's parted ways with the Magic, but I wanted to ask you, obviously, you had the one year with Frank Vogel as your head coach, your rookie year. Um, you know, you missed part of the year uh, with the, you know, the injury the first year, and then Cliff comes in. Since then, we've seen you become a premier defender in this league, and I wanted to ask you, how much of that is just your hard work and your natural instincts, and how much of that was Clifford um, and, and just his coaching? It was all me, man. <laughs> I knew it. See, I knew it. No, I knew no, it. It, it goes back to it goes back to high school. It goes back to Florida State and Coach Ham. Um, and we had we had our junkyard dog defense at Florida State. But Coach Cliff was just a. I, I love the way that he coached in terms of uh, defensively and just the, the way we went about things. But I think we had a great scheme, um, easy to learn. And once we got it and picked up on it, um, I just felt like I, I was really comfortable in what we were doing each and every night. I knew I knew what I had to do. I knew what other like other players had to do our teammates so I, I could help I could gamble I could kind of you know be where I needed to be and get out of where I needed to be and still be where I needed to be so um you know I, I love that about defense about being able to make plays and, and change momentum in the game so um but Devin Coach Cliff played a huge role in, in the way that we went about uh becoming a, a great defensive team so I have a hot take and I know that you're not going to agree with this and that's fine you know you don't know right Okay. All right. We'll see. So the, the end of the 2018, 2019 season, the last 31 games, you guys go 22 and nine, one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the best over that stretch. When we look at, you know, especially once you went down with the injury new year's day of the 2019, 2020 season. And then this year, definitely the team never really has gotten back to that level of just defensive you guys were just suffocating teams. That's the best way that I can put it. And since then, I've started to feel like more and more that Jonathan Isaac was the sole reason that the defense reached that pinnacle because you're just all over the place. We've seen highlights of you smothering guys like John Collins, Chris Apps, Porzingis, just making those guys wish that they weren't playing basketball at that <laughs> moment in time. What is it? What do you think? Because we have all given our opinions on Jonathan Isaac and what makes him a great defender. What do you think makes you such a great defender? So I, I'm definitely not the sole reason. Definitely not the sole reason. Well, definitely. we can agree to disagree. But <laughs> it definitely goes to everybody. But shoot, I, I'm, I'm, like you're saying, I'm about 6'11". You know, I, I'm pretty mobile. And three quarters. Uh, right, and three quarters. I'm pretty you say mo- that just so that you don't say you're seven foot. 6'11", <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty mobile. Um, you know, I feel like I got, I got a great motor and a, just a, a desire to – to be a great defender. And, and obviously I still have so much work to do on the offensive end because I want to be great there as well. But um, yes, I, I, I think I just, I have the intangibles. I have the the desire to to work myself into being, you know, the, the best defender out there. So um, I think when you put that together, it, it comes out to, you know, a pretty decent defender. So. I was just having this conversation with one of our Twitter followers today, Miranda, shout out to you before we jumped on this zoom call with Jonathan, Jonathan, a lot of, the NBA all defensive team was just announced mm-hmm. and uh, Orlando magic daily tweeted out. This is going to be the last year that Jonathan Isaac does not make an all NBA defensive team. Okay. I got into the, the conversation with this young lady that you are underrated that even a couple of years ago, like the conversation was just starting that you were a potential depoy candidate. Do you feel like you're underrated as a defender? Honestly, that's a tough question to answer because 
Um, you know, I, I'm not really fixated on the as, as much as as great as it would be to win, um, like you said, a defensive player, you know, all that. That's that's not my focus. I want to win games. I want to become the, the best player that I can become. And that's my focus. If the conversation is he's a great defender, if the conversation is not, then, you know, you got to let that be what it is until it becomes, um, you know, what, what it will be. So that's that's where I'm at. I, I really I'm not one to say I'm, I'm overrated. I'm underrated. I'm this on that. I want people to, to talk about me in a certain way. Um, you know, if, if it's not something that's, that's, that's wins and us, you know, raising up a trophy, it doesn't really matter to me. I like that. And there's an, there's another guy on the roster this year that the magic fans got a good glimpse at defensively, who I am sure that you're excited to share the court with. Mm-hmm. And that is Chuma Okiki, mm-hmm. man. Chuma was just just everywhere as well and and is really going to probably is going to play a huge part in the magic playing defense next year at a high level um kind of can you talk to me about Chuma and what you saw from him this season and his growth as a player Chuma is a great kid and uh like a lot of guys on this roster what you saw was absolutely nothing compared to what he's going to become um, so I've, I've been I've been talking to Chuma quite a bit and just getting <laughs> getting them excited and everybody excited about what we're going to do, uh, you know, these upcoming seasons. So but Chuma is special. You know, obviously what we saw, his ability to, to be a playmaker, ability to get in passing lanes and make plays and just, you know, make teammates better around him on the court. He's not just somebody that's out there, um, you know, looking to score. And I like not that anybody's like that, but just um, he's able to make his teammates better, able to make plays. And I appreciate that about him. But. What, what, what he's going to be able to do offensively and defensively is, is going to be great for years to come. Terrence recently on his podcast uh, compared Chuma to Kawhi Leonard. What do you Terrence, think of that listen, comparison? Terrence is late. Terrence is late. You got to ask. You got to. Whenever you guys get to talk to Chuma, ask Chuma what clips I send him. I send him clips of Kawhi all the time. So <laughs> Terrence That's is awesome. Late. Do you guys talk? You know, you said you've been talking with him. You know, a lot lately, Ji. Do you guys interact a lot? And and if so, is it is it mainly basketball talk? Like you said, you're sending them clips of Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, what is the conversation like with him? You know, pertaining to I guess just your friendship together. You got you guys will get to see it, but Chuma's hilarious. He's real funny, and not not even so much talking outside of the gym or outside of the game. It's just you know he's he's in there training. Um, you know, going going through what he's going through right now. So just in the atmosphere of everybody talking. And just me trying to me trying to be in everybody's ear to a certain degree, but uh, it's just just basketball talk. It's just just uh you know just trying to get him to, to get the the, the desire. Um, not that he doesn't want to be great, but just to fixate, man. You you're gonna be absolutely amazing, and to start to put that in your head and work towards it, and uh see that it can be done. And so just to just to get him, it's just like any young guy. They come into the league, and there's so much going on. There's so they're, they're trying to figure out their lives and get stable, but just to, to come in and go, listen, you're, you're going to be a great player in this league and just hit the ground running. Nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to hold back from. Go out and, uh, you know, be the best you can be. Who was the veteran if there was one that kind of put that in your ear early on? Uh, that put that in my ear early on? I, I would say a mixture of everybody. I, was, I, would say, I would say DJ would talk to me from time to time. Um, AG, you know, just, 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 just little things here and there. One more thing I wanted to ask you about the future of the team. You mentioned a few minutes ago how excited you were for the future of this team now. When you start looking around the league, like hopefully, you know, you'll be back around the start of the regular season. Markel, you know, it's likely that he probably won't be back until after the new year, maybe even after the all-star break. So 
you guys coming off of major injuries, looking at the, the young roster of this team, hoping for a high draft pick fans are, um, most people would say that, you know, the magic might not be a playoff team next year. Now I'm not going to ask your, your opinion on, on that, but what do you think are the things that gets you excited for the future of the Orlando magic? What I, what I love is that um, we get to set our own standard. So with the, you know, as unfortunate, as unfortunate as it was to have, you know, the guys that left leave, um, you know, when you, when you pretty much hand the, you know, the team to a bunch of young guys, we get to, to, to run it our way in a sense, we get to set the standard of the team that we want to be set our goals and our expectations. And that's what I'm most excited about because I think that the group that we have are going to be a group that's hungry and a group that wants to you know, become the best that we can be. So that, that's really why I'm excited. Um, I, I've learned throughout the league that it really isn't, it's, it really is more than just the game of basketball. It really is the spirit of each guy that's on the team. It really is what each guy is willing to sacrifice and put in outside of just shooting and making baskets um, that makes the team great. It's unity, it's brotherhood, it's um, so much more um, being able to work with each other and, you know, resolve conflict and everything like that. And just the family atmosphere. Um, those are the stuff that, that wins games and make teams better. So uh, I think that with the guys that we have, that's something that we're going to be able to work and grind and expect us to work hard and to become you know better. But like you said, to, to the playoffs, who knows, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, our desire is to get there. Our desire is to, to, to not just get to the playoffs, but to be the best in the league, but that's going to take time. It's going to take work. Um, and that's something that we're not going to be afraid of. Um, and we're going to put it in. What you described, um, you know, just sorry to cut you off, Luke. You're just good. like the spirit of the team. Uh, former Detroit Pistons point guard Isaiah Thomas once called that the secret. That's yeah. the secret to winning. It's not always about the guys that are on the floor, but about how you work together, how you guys get along, the spirit to compete, everything like that. So, 100%. 100%. It, cha- it changes everything. It, it, it is, like like you said, it, it, it's, the, it's the backbone. It's the... It's the, it's the secret ingredient um, to anything that's great is when you show up and you want to be there, you show up and you, you, what can I do to make this team better? What can I do to make myself better? Um, what am I willing to do? Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to you know, read a book? Am I willing, am I, what am I willing to put in um, to be great at the end of the day? Um, and when you have every guy on the roster that's thinking like that, you can't help but be great. And there's a guy who I think of when, you know, when I think of the term going to be great, um, there's a player who the magic acquired at the, you know, near on near deadline. Um, and that I'm obviously talking about RJ Hampton. Um, now on Twitter, uh, RJ had a funny exchange with the fan who basically said, you know, because when those, when that happened and when Vooch left and Evan and AG left, a lot of the fan base was like, Oh, so this team, like, we're just naturally like not going to be as good. We just got younger. Um, guys are gonna have to get acclimated to each other. We're just not going to be as good as when we had, you know, Vooch and Evan for this part of the year. And a lot of people on Twitter got so bold to, you know, reply to things and, and reply to things that like RJ Hampton tweeted out something. I don't remember what it was about, but someone was basically like, hey, can you like not win? Like, don't win, please. And, and RJ just replied, no. And, and that's kind of just, I, I love that he said that because yeah. we were able, Jonathan and I, as podcast hosts, were able to shed a light on these guys. They're young. They, why would we want, like, that would just contribute to a losing culture. And that's the last thing that we want. So, uh, you know, you've already talked about, you know, briefly about Cole and Chuma. Um, might as well at this point talk about RJ Hampton as well. Um, did you get to connect with him you know, even though he came in a little bit late, did you get that connection with him and to get to learn about kind of who RJ is? 
he he's in the gym now, so I see him pretty much every day, and he's he's, he's just like any of these young guys. He's funny, uh, full of energy, trying to figure it out and uh, you know get to where he needs to be. But he's, a, he's he seems like a great kid for the exchanges that I've had with him, and and obviously that's going to grow as we move forward. But excited about him, like just like I said, when when you see Truma and you see these guys come in and you see you know why they're there in the league, the flashes that they make. Um, Cole and RJ and Truma and all these Mo and <laughs> Mo Mo played great over this trip that he was able to play. So um, just all these guys, like you see why they why they're in the league for a reason. And now it's just about being able to hone it and work it and to just get better. And when I think of these young guys, Ji, I can't help but think about the Magic uh, or someone on Magic Twitter put together a video to Chuma's anomalous, and it's all the play young like a lot of the young guys dancing. Yeah, Have right? you? Have you gotten to see that video that the Magic have now tweeted out a lot since then? I saw it. I saw it. It's hilarious. <laughs> and first off, it feels so weird to even be saying young guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so, uh, but 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 yeah, I feel I feel like an old head a little bit. <laughs> uh, the guys that we have, but yeah. Well, so Jonathan, as much as we love, you know, what you bring to the floor, what you bring to the locker room, what you bring to the community, I think a lot of Magic fans we we appreciate you even more because of the person that you are and. Having you on the podcast last time and this time, we want to try to use this as an opportunity to, to shift this, the, the conversation a little bit, as we talked about a little bit uh, before we started recording here. So it's been a while since this happened. It's been about 10 months um, since you first decided to stand during the national anthem in the bubble in Orlando, which at the time was a very polarizing decision, to say the least. It's been quite a while since then. Uh, however, I wanted to have this conversation with you on our show because I feel like almost immediately after that decision, uh, you know, you, you know, on on television and then, you know, you were asked post game by Malika Andrews, you know, about your decision to kneel and everything like that. I feel like a lot of people missed the point there almost immediately. Again, the the reaction that I saw was this is a, a political statement. He doesn't want to kneel for the flag or, you know, his political, you know, alignment, whatever the case may be. And as you can expand upon, but as I know, that was not the case that you were simply doing this to use that platform in that moment to try to bring attention to Jesus Christ, who I believe Luke believe, and you believe to really be the answer to every single issue that we have. So I wanted to ask you, am I wrong in, in what I got from that and from what you've said since? No, you're not wrong at all. You know, f- from the jump of the conversation being had about guys kneeling, it, it wasn't something that I was fairly comfortable with um, just because I, I didn't necessarily see the, the direct correction between the de- direct um, correlation between the kneeling and, and, and the T-shirt to, um, you know, the support of black lives. You know, when I think about my life and I think about the things that I've experienced and gone through, um, my life has been changed. It's been supported. It's been uh, just <laughs> just uprooted. Um, you know, by, by like you're talking about by, by Jesus. So um, for, for me, the, the biggest thing that, that went into the that went into the conversation or the thought of me um, standing was that, man, I, I feel implicit um, at the end of the day when God's word says that we all fall short of God's glory. At the end of the day, we're all a part of what we see. Everybody has, has done things that is wrong. Everybody has said things that is wrong. Um, and a lot of times it becomes who has done something that I've seen, but they haven't seen what I've done. Um, and it's easy to point fingers. It's easy to go back and forth about who's right and who's wrong. But at the end of the day, when we truly step back and look at it, we're all wrong. Um, and what I love about God is that um, when when I point a finger at somebody, there's a million fingers pointing back at me. 
for things that I've done. But Jesus being the only one who has right to point a finger chooses not to. Um, and there's a verse that says, if in Second Chronicles 7 and 14, that says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. And when I think about humbling myself, what it is, it's like, listen, I've done wrong too. Uh, I'm, as much as I want to point my finger about the things that you've done, I've done wrong. And I need to humble myself like God asks us to. It says, seek my face and pray. God, what do you say about what's going on? What do you say about what's right and what's wrong and how I should handle things? And then it says, turn from your wicked ways. Acknowledge that I've done wrong. And, and, and like I said, that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm implicit in some degree um, to what's going on. But then he says, and when you do those things, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sins and I'll heal your land. And to me, that's exactly what we need. Um, you know, my land has been healed. My heart has been healed by the gospel. And that's what I was trying to get across. I, 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 I'm, I'm about solutions and looking out about the, you know, the, the T-shirt and the kneeling to me, um, that wasn't the, the, the solution that I was comfortable with, um, with the things that I've experienced in my life. So I wanted to offer that solution, which I believe is the right solution to not just racism, but to everything, like you said. Yeah. And J.I., you know, you, you said that, you know, you said that that was for you that was the right decision. That was, that was what you feel in your heart of hearts was the right decision to make. Right. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people don't aren't, aren't wanting to grasp, I think is, um, and maybe this is a, a polarizing take to have, but um, I, I think that there was no wrong way to go about what happened in the bubble in terms of, you know, you, you standing or people like, you know, players kneeling. Like we all know, you know, if we're, what we're teaching is, Hey, take a look at J.I.'s heart and you'll see that there was nothing like hateful, mean spirited or anything about what the players did. And then on the flip side, you know, people who might be, you know, cause I feel like we, we live in absolutes, right? We have people that say, um, no, standing is the only way that, the, that that was the only right thing to do. And you've got people that say kneeling was the only thing, right, right thing to do. But if people would just take a, you know, a look inside the hearts of, um, of players, which unfortunately fans really don't get the chance to do that, which is why I'm, I love that we're able to do that with UJI is because, you know, we can, you know, have you on and, and ask you and, and you'll give us your full transparency about the situation. And just like we can do that with you, we could do that with, you know, the players that kneeled as well, who, yeah. who think, you know, still that they were, you know, right. It, that was the right thing for them to do. And, and, and I- yeah. And I'll add just real quick, not to cut you off. It's like it's not that um it's not that there's not a problem. It's not like it's not like what what you know other players decided to do, they just wanted to do. There was obviously a problem that was going on in society with George Floyd and all that stuff. So it was a reaction to that. It's just that I felt that the that my reaction to it and the things that I've experienced and gone through to me was the right one for me. But it's like it's like you were saying about being absolutes and, and how polarizing it is. The first question that I got after uh after deciding to stand was like, do you even believe that black lives matter? I'm like, really? Like <laughs> to me, that's a that's a part of the problem because it, it equates the it equates the 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 kneeling and it equates the t-shirt to the direct support of black lives, which I don't, you know, to me personally, I don't agree with. Um so you can put on a shirt and you can kneel and then you are in support of black lives. Um and that's something that I that I that I didn't think was or I didn't think that symbolism was completely, you know, concrete. And so just just be like you said, being able to look into each person's heart. And when I see guys that are kneeling, my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to mm-hmm. obviously the families and everybody that's been affected. It's just that, man, I see the pain and I believe that God sees it, too. But God has given us an answer. Well, something that, uh, that that is the answer to the problem that I believe. Yeah. And and yeah, that absolutely. J.I., I think, um, you know, that's 
that's the thing, right? Is, is people, you know, you, you basically said, like you've already stated, you know, Jesus is the answer to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is why, you know, you didn't partake at that moment and you thought, you know, you think Jesus is, is the sole solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that if people heard you say that loud and clear, instead of dismissing it, they would probably have caught the point, right? Yeah. I, I think that, um, that we become so narrow-minded. Like I said, we live in absolutes and, um, and, and, you know, if people, you know, really looked at the Bible um, or heard people talk about who Jesus was, Jesus was the person who sat with the oppressed. Yeah. He was the person who sat with people that were far different than he is. And and I think like, you know, being a white male, um, you know, someone being different than me as someone who is black and and being able to use Jesus's teachings in my own life and and pour into the lives of them and 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 love them just like I love everybody else right and so I, I do think that the point was definitely missed which is why J, uh, Jonathan and I wanted to bring that up because that's exactly what happened right I mean if you you know talk about we we could talk to UJI all day about the Bible and and we do love to do that with you um, but I think that you know in this instance it really is just to to clear the air uh, about what happened and what people might have still thought for t- 10 whole months about who J why J.I. was doing what he was doing so I mean thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk to you about that and being transparent with us because I do think that this can you know set forward in motion the opinion of J.I. and yeah. And, and kind of, you know, rectify the, the wrong way that was thought about you 10 months ago. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And to, to me, when I look at not even just now where we are in, in, in society at this present moment, but just all the way into the past, we've been doing this thing in terms of you're wrong, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, no, I'm right, you're wrong. And the thing, like I said, the thing that I love about God and Jesus is that it sets us all on the same playing field. All of us are wrong in some degree. It's not that we've all made the wrong decision every time, but we've all done wrong in some degree. And so if God can forgive one of us um, or forgive us of the things that we've done, then we have to go forth and forgive. And that's why, to me, the gospel is so powerful because it sets everybody on the same plan. We're all in need of grace. We're all in need of love. We're all in need of mercy. And God is offering that to us, you know, in the person of Jesus, if we accept it. I just want to say really quickly how proud I am to be in this conversation with the two of you. And I don't know that I've ever been more proud to be a part of the show than I am right now that we're able to have conversations like this. Jonathan, last thing I wanted to ask you about the bubble and then we'll we'll wrap up here briefly was I think that you probably could see some of the reactions uh, coming from fans ahead of time. I'm sure that you thought about everything and how that was going to be perceived. Mm -hmm. I think with the players, it was kind of the complete opposite of that. Like we saw Paul George in a, a post game interview a day later or a couple of days after, you know, said, shout out to Jonathan Isaac. Like, this is why we're doing this. He has every right to decide what's best for him. Yeah. Are you surprised at all by the reaction of the, of the players? You know, to, to be completely honest, I, I was a little surprised by, uh, you know, like you were saying about poor judges because of what obviously happened right after in the aftermath and everybody kind of going so crazy. And even to that, I'll say, even though there was, um, you know, negativity and things that we thought there was a lot of, to me, um, positivity that came out of it, that people that understood what I was trying to get across um, and, and really gain from it, or, or it, it encouraged their faith to believe that Jesus really is the answer. Um, but to that, yeah, I, I would say the Paul, the Paul George thing, I, I, it, it was a little surprising just because of the platform that it was on. Um, but overall with the guys, you know, you know, nobody said anything to me that was crazy. Um, you know, I was able to continue, continue in the bubble for a couple of days until I had got hurt and had to leave. But um, 
you know, exactly what Paul George said. I think everybody was in the right to make the decision and, um, you know, not to be vilified for it, but to really get to the bottom of why guys were doing what they were doing um, and me understanding that, man, this is the solution that they think will work. We've been talking so much about the bubble and your decision to stand. I wanted to really take this opportunity to discuss the reason behind the standing, right? Mm-hmm. The last time you were on the podcast was right before Good Friday, right before, you know, Easter. So we talked about the resurrection of Jesus and that entire, you know, incredible, beautiful story. We were talking briefly before we started recording about one of your most recent sermons uh, where you talked about just the value of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you don't have to go back through the entire hour message here if you don't want to, but I want me to just preach. highlight that for us. If you want to, the floor is yours, my friend. No, I'm, I'm not going to preach, but um, what, what went into it was, um, you know, me, me looking at my own life and looking at the things that I've gone through, you know, I'll say quote unquote in the world and what I've experienced and, um, you know, all the things that I've gained with being in the league and what I've been able to experience you know, I came to a place where I was, you know, really asking myself, is this all to life? Um, or is this where I really want to be? And I found that it wasn't as fulfilling or as satisfying as what I had previously thought. And I remember always thinking that to come to God, it was like God wanted to take something from me. I, would, I wouldn't have fun. Or I wouldn't, you know, be around the people that I thought I needed or wanted to be around. But it, I couldn't have been farther from the truth. You know, in my decision to, to put God first and, and, and let Jesus be Lord of my life, everything changed for the better. And it wasn't about what I was losing. It was really about what I was gaining, um, the fellowship, the love, the, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing. And we can be, like I said, we can talk about this all day. But when I think about when I think about unconditional love and it's one of the, the big reasons why, you know, I'm a believer myself is like to, to be loved when you really are or really can be yourself. Like not what, 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 what people want you to be or what you feel like you have to be for people, but to be loved. There's a verse that says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. So before we accepted him, before we, we did anything that was good, he died for us. And, and that's one of the things that I appreciate so much is the genuine love that God has for each and every one of us, but just us. Like, I don't have to be J.I., I don't have to be Judy, I don't have to be D.P.O.Y. I can be my jacked up, messed up self and God accepts me and he loves me. <clears throat> am I getting choked up? No, he, he, me and he loves me. And, uh, you know, all he wants is, is for me to do better. Um, but looking at the story of the rich young ruler, there's a story in the Bible of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and is like, you know, teacher, teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know, you, for you, you have to sell that you have, sell, sell that you have, give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler made the decision to, to keep his possessions and not follow Jesus. And then Jesus has a line that pretty much saying that if he only knew that, that I wanted to give him a hundredfold of all that he had. And that has been my, my 100% uh, account with just life and thinking that, like I said, like thinking you're losing by giving, you know, giving yourself or giving what you have to God. But God has multiplied me in every single way. Um, like you said, I'm about, I'm about to get married here in three months. So my, my life has completely changed for the better. Um, and that's what God is offering to each and every one of us in all of our mess ups and all of our, you know, Whatever we do that's wrong, God is offering us a, a seat at the table and a relationship with him um, to help us be better and to be more like him, to forgive us for our sins so we can you know, live the way we're called to live. Well, if it's all right with God, I would love it if you could get a depoy. That would really be great. Um, <laughs> it's on the way. It's on the, it's on the way. You, you guys heard it first. YouTube, you see me. That's right. Amen. Hey, J.I., you, you mentioned um, you know, getting married soon. Yeah. Last time we spoke, you you asked you asked Jay, uh, Jonathan. I keep wanting to call Jonathan Jack because I keep saying it, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. So uh, last last year when we spoke, quite out of the blue, you said to Jonathan and I, 
you got any kids? <laughs> and, uh, and you said like, I just love the idea of family. Um, so, and at the time, you know, my wife was pregnant, Jonathan's wife's pregnant. Now we each have uh, a nine and 10 month old girl, um, uh, between us. And then Jonathan has, uh, his older daughter as well. So I gotta, I gotta ask, do you, have you guys talked about maybe how many kids you guys want? I want like 15, but I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, <laughs> time, but that's, that's you know, and I'll, 15? Tell you why, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why. And I don't want them all to play basketball. I have like this vision that I've had ever since I was a kid where it's like, um, you know, obviously they're all grown, they're all out of the house and everybody comes back. Um, uh, everybody comes back home for like a family reunion, just like the, all the kids come back home and there's a big dinner and everybody's mm-hmm. doing something different in life. You know, there's this one person that's doing this, one person that's maybe yeah. playing football and uh, a lawyer, a doctor, all this different stuff. And then now the vision is like, what if they're like, obviously they're all Christian in these different fields of life and, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus in these different places and coming home for like a family moment. Like that's to me, like the vision that I have in the back of my head. So I want to have as many kids as possible. Um, and just, you know, build my, build my little Isaac tribe. The, be a very the, tall doctor. <laughs> the, the epitome of be fruitful, multiply, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jay, I, one last thing I wanted to touch on. You talked about, um, you know, just that God knows everything about us and, and still loves us. Yeah. Um, there's a song by one of my favorite artists named Torin Wells. He has a song called Known. And in that song, he says, I'm fully known and loved by you. And I used to just think like, Oh, God knows everything about me. And he also loves me. But what really struck me one day is that he knows every single thing about me. He knows all that I've done wrong, all of my thoughts and everything like that. And yet he still chooses to love me. And that just says so much about the love of God and the love about the love of Jesus and the the relationship that you can have with Christ. So um, I just wanted to say thank you for, for coming on the show again. Always a blast having you on. Um, we're very thankful for the, the man that you are. We're really excited to see you back on the court next season. Um, but thank you again for coming on the show, man. Very much appreciated. Listen, you guys are awesome. And the one thing that I'll say to you guys is it's, it's, it's easy to go with the grain. Um, I, I say this to anybody, any young person that's listening, like the hard thing to do is to go against the grain. And so I always tell people that, that are striving to, to, that are Christian, that are striving to, to develop a relationship with God that you're strong. It's hard to go against the grain. It takes courage. It takes character. It takes um, a lot more than to go with the flow. And so uh, even to what you're saying about being known, man, life is difficult. Life is hard. So when you talk about like, like uh, you know, our flaws and what we go through wrong, life will beat you up <laughs> and life will strip you down and take everything from you. And if you would only understand that God is trying to help. The Bible says, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. So God desires to be almost like a life partner with us, a relationship um, for us to grow and be better and to, and to grow into who he's called us to be. So that's that's what God is offering. Um, but yeah, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you. Um, we will do this probably, you know, every season while I get on here and talk to you guys because you guys are you guys are great guys and I appreciate what you're doing. Well, we appreciate that, Jonathan, but we absolutely will hold you to that. So <laughs> you can hold me to it, man. I appreciate that very much. Luke, anything else, brother? No, I'm good, man. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, again, thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing you next season. For Jonathan Isaac, Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan. Guys, are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. 
follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!